In my growing up years, I wouldn't describe my household as particularly religious. We were more sporadic churchgoers. More than just Christmas and Easter, but certainly not every Sunday. Until I hit my junior high years. Then my mom did something that changed it all. I'll tell you what it was, coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. So glad you could join us for the hour ahead. We look to encourage and inspire you to deeper faith and a closer walk with Jesus with the help of our spiritual directors. I'm Patrick Conley. And hey, just a quick note, if you haven't heard, be sure to tune in to Relevant Radio on Monday at this time, 11 a.m. Central, to hear the inaugural Solemnity Mass of Our Lady of Champion live from the National Shrine of Our Lady of Champion, again, at 11 a.m. Central. The Most Reverend David L. Ricken, Bishop of Green Bay, will be the celebrant, and Drew Mariani himself will serve as our commentator. And also the Family Rosary Across America will be broadcast live from the Shrine Grounds at 7 p.m. Again, all of, the, all of this is on Monday, October 9th. So in my elementary school years, I remember our family going to church and Sunday school in our small town Presbyterian church. But as often as not, I would try to talk my mom and dad out of it, suggesting that we spend time together just as a family instead. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Mom was particularly hard to convince. And actually looking back on it, I'm not sure why I didn't want to go to church. I mean, I believed in God. I prayed fairly often, speaking familiarly with my Heavenly Father. I even picked up the Bible from time to time and read it. I certainly didn't hate church, but whatever the reason, there were some Sundays when I felt I'd just rather be doing something else. And like I said, sometimes I was successful in convincing my parents not to go. But then, at the start of my seventh grade year, when confirmation classes began, we got a new pastor, and my mom laid down the law. We would be going to church every Sunday. I was keenly aware that she was not messing around. She said it and meant it, and I did not argue. And go we did every Sunday, Sunday school and the worship service. And, of course, Wednesday evening confirmation classes for me. And you know what? I didn't mind it. In fact, I found I actually enjoyed a good portion of it. Our pastor was kind and friendly. The other kids my age were, too. I even started to look forward to Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. I liked learning about God. I liked reading the Bible together and talking about it. I liked singing the hymns. I even joined the choir. By the end of my high school years, I was about as in to church as I could get, and I attribute it all to my mom taking a stand some six years earlier. Be that as it may, there are no rock-solid guarantees in building a family faith that sticks with kids as they grow through adolescence and into adulthood. But though there may be no guarantees... There are things parents can do to make it less likely that kids will abandon their faith and that their faith will stick with them. Today, here on The Inner Life, we're talking building family faith that lasts. And here to guide our discussion is our spiritual director, Father Dave Heaney. Father Dave is a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles and has a master's degree in marriage, family, and child counseling from USC. He currently serves as the pastor of St. Bruno Catholic Church in Whittier, California. Father Dave, thanks for being with us again. Good morning. Always glad to join you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's jump right into the family. Uh, The family is told to us, Father, as an image of the Trinity. So what does that mean, and what does it mean practically for the family? Well, it's a a series of uh, 
complex relationships. The Trinity is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of ink has been spilled trying to understand the inner workings of the Trinity. Sure. But we clearly have three persons, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Just like in a family, we have a multiplicity of personalities, different ages, different personalities, different uh, habits and virtues and vices. And they all find themselves living under one roof. And that's the challenge of a family uh, to, you know, kind of maintain your difference, maintain your identity, you know, not to subsume yourself into someone else, but at the same time to relate to the others so that an older brother and a younger sister can get along, uh, husband and wife can get along, parents and children get along, um, even the family pet. So, you know, it's really uh, this under one roof, you just have this tremendous challenge and honor of having people of different ages and, and mainly different personalities, uh, you know, negotiating kind of daily tasks. Yeah. And it's going to be a combination of just routine tasks, you know, getting up, making your bed, getting your room clean, and special times when the family is together talking with each other. So it's, it's really a very beautiful um, image of the church, really. We, we call the family the little church, just like on the parish. We have all kinds of people coming in on Sunday morning. Um, so the, the family is a little church, uh, different kinds of people in one family, hopefully with a, uh, a coherent set of Catholic values. Mm, yeah, hopefully. And the family, you, you mentioned a couple times there, Father, living it out under one roof, which is obviously uh, most important for, in terms of family life, that, uh, that we're, we're together in that. But it's also meant to be lived out, family life is meant to be lived out in society as well, right? Well, absolutely. I mean, you live in a neighborhood and, right. you know, every day, you know, somebody's going to go to work, someone's going to go to school, someone's going to go to the store. And so the family is going to interact with the community in a, just a variety of ways. Um, you know, when I, you know, we just started school here, of course, in September. And one of the things I told our parents is that this is the, especially for our first year students, we have what's, we have what's called transitional kindergarten, which is amazing. Okay. This is, this is the grade below kindergarten of all things. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, charming to see them, you know, that young in their uniforms going to school. And this is the first time these kids are leaving the family and mixing with people who are not family, all the other classmates. And they may find that some of the behaviors that they used to do at home just don't work (laughs) in school, you know. And so they, 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 you know, what happens when they go to school is it's the first time that they find limiting that someone's limiting their behavior, saying, you can't do that, you can't do this, please do this. So that's a good thing. You know, when, you, when the family goes out into the world, into the community, it, it has to change its values and kind of adapt to, you know, how do you act in a store? How do children act in a restaurant? Mm-hmm. How do they act in church? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, that, those are important life skills that the family can, can impart on, on all its members so that not only are they happy at home, but they can also be fulfilled and happy outside as well. Right, right. And those same, for the, those who really strive to make their Catholic faith part of their home life of two, of course, that those, those two, we carry those values out into wider society with us as well. Any suggestions or any thoughts as to what are some of the things that families do out in wider society to maintain a good connection to their Catholic faith? Well, you know, I think one of the most popular ways is to wear something that indicates who you are. 
Hmm. Uh, so very often people will wear a pendant around their neck, either with just a simple cross or possibly a crucifix. You know what? I'm in stores sometime in restaurants and I see scapulars. I see that yeah. little string on the neck that indicates a scapular. Um, those are those are things that kind of communicate right away without even saying anything that the person you're talking to recognizes that you are a follower of Christ. Mm. And, um, and, you know, a cross could be any Christian, but almost always, a crucifix almost always signifies a Catholic. Mm -hmm. That's a good uh, point. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's one way. Um, that's the, I think that's the easiest way because it's just something that you put on uh, and that you wear and that kind of communicates right away. And it can be a talking point. Someone can say, oh, I like your cross or I like that crucifix or where did you get that? Or, you know, what is the, tell me what that means. And it can be a kind of a conversation starter, hopefully, if uh, a waitress or a store clerk notices it and sure. begins a conversation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very good, yeah. Well, our spiritual director today, again, is Father Dave Heaney from uh, Whittier, California, pastor of St. Bruno Catholic Church out there. And we're going through some of those things that can help build a family faith that lasts on today's show. We'd love to hear your ideas. Are you a child, a tween, or a teen? What's something that your parents do to help you continue to grow in faith and to live that faith out wherever you go? We'd love to hear from you. If you're a parent, what family faith traditions do you have to help ensure your kids stick with Jesus? Phone lines are open, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. And our email address is innerlife@relevantradio.com. Father, uh, prayer, I know, is a huge part of uh, living the faith out at home and mm -hmm. uh, even can be out in wider society. I Occasionally, I, I pray always out when I'm eating out at a restaurant, um, but uh, I, I notice every once in a while I'll see another family gathered around the table at a restaurant and they're praying as well. Um, so maybe some other ideas from you about the importance of prayer and then how we might incorporate that into our family life, both at home and outside the home as well. Well, let me just uh, reinforce that idea of grace, saying, saying a grace before meals in a restaurant. I just think that is a tremendously powerful sign. Mm. It's not ostentatious. It's not showy. It's very private. You just kind of bow your head. Maybe I would say make the sign of the cross. Mm -hmm. Simple prayer, bless us, O Lord, in these thy gifts, etc. And then, you know, go about the meal. Other people notice it. And I think, I just think it shows that they will say, gee, I didn't know that there were other religious people in this restaurant. There's one over there. That's, that's great. And so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just a big fan of that. So I really recommend that as a powerful thing. And it's, I think it's a good example to your own family that, you know, even when we're outside the home, we still say grace because yeah. we're still grateful for the food that we're about to receive. So that's a great thing. Yeah. I think um, really one powerful way, and this is something that Pope John Paul II was really kind of a major focus of his priesthood, of his uh, papacy, was uh, the creation of saints. I don't think any pope made created more saints than mm -hmm. John Paul II. And because he, he wanted, he said, there's two ways you can learn about the faith. You can read a book or read a life. And, you know, reading a book is helpful for people who like to do that. But, but watching a person's life is very, very powerful. So he, he just presented all these lives for us to know. So I think having pictures of saints in the house and then taking the time to explain who this person of St. Francis is or St. Catherine is to your family is very yeah. helpful. Because then 
it's a silent witness. Every time that child walks by that painting or that icon, they'll remember, oh, I know who, I know what St. Catherine did. I know what Mother Teresa did. I know what Pope John Paul II did. And yeah. uh, it's just kind of a, it's just there all the time reminding children of their faith. So anytime you have like saints, pictures, or icons, you know, make sure that your family knows who they are mm. and that they're scattered throughout the house. And then I think the most powerful thing of all, and this is, you know, comes from my psychology background, is the, what I would call the casual, ordinary, routine faith talk. Mm. So it's not like a special moment where, okay, family, we're now going to do something religious. It's on an everyday basis, you just kind of casually bring up your relationship with God. You know, dear Lord, I hope we have good weather today as we go to the beach. You know, uh, you just say that kind of prayer out loud as you're going to the beach. And I think children, when they see that faith is, an, is a regular participant in daily activities yeah. in a very casual, yeah. ordinary, routine way, that is more powerful, I think, than setting up kind of formal you know, events, you know, like a family rosary or even, you know, going to Mass. But when they see that faith is integrated uh, throughout the day in a mm -hmm. very routine, ordinary, casual way, uh, my opinion is I think that's a very, very powerful way to pass on the faith to uh, everyone in the family. That's a good point, Father, because it seems to draw that, dis well, it erases that distinction between I'm uh, in in one point, you know, yeah. I'm in normal life, quote unquote, and another point, oh, we're we're shifting, it's time for us to become our religious selves now here for just a moment so we can pray, right? But it, it erases that and just says, yeah, well, okay, we're going to take a car trip here, let's, uh, let's say a quick Hail Mary just for our safety or something like that, you know, and yeah. Is something that's, yeah, I like that. I like that suggestion a lot. Our spiritual director again, Father Dave Heaney, as we're talking about building family faith that lasts. If you are, maybe you're growing up right now in a household where you have some great family traditions about uh, that are helping to make the faith a central part of your family life, give us a call, 888-914-9149. If you have questions about what something that you might want to try to do in your family life, give us a call as well, 888-914-9149, or again, our email address is life at relevantradio.com. Uh, turning our attention a little bit, Father, to the virtues, um, any specific virtues that you can think of that we might be able to pray for that will actually help us in building a family faith that lasts? Well, of course, every virtue is helpful, but I, I think yeah. um, for, there's several virtues that really come to mind right away. And I think uh, the first is, maybe these are not in order of importance, but I think just kind of cultivating all of them is a good idea. And I think courage is, is very important. Sure. And courage means, you know, that you're going to say the right thing at the right time for the right reason. You know, you're not going to be silent. You're not going to swallow something. You're not going to pretend something's not happening. But if you see something, you say something uh, in a way that's respectful and, you know, of the people that you're talking to. So I think courage is important because uh, one of the things that families does is it's self-correcting. You know, parents correct their children. Uh, brother, older brothers correct, older siblings correct younger siblings. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you, you want to speak up. If you, if you see something that needs correcting, you want to have the courage to be able to, to do that because that's how the family grows. I think, you know, understanding older siblings have to understand that they're 
you know, kindergarten age, younger brother or sister is going to be immature. Um, and so, you know, to make allowances for that. Obviously, you know, you have different kind of people living in the same house. They're going to hurt each other. Uh, they're going to say things and do things that are, you know, hurtful. And so, you know, learning to to forgive, which is simply to not seek revenge. You know, you hurt me. I'm not going to hurt you back. Uh, but then learning how to reconcile, you yeah. know, talking to the person, how to, you know, why did you do that? What was going on in your mind? What made you think this was a good thing? So that's what reconciliation is. Reconciliation is the process of, of examining what happened. Forgiveness is something that you can do immediately right away. Even as you're being hurt, you can just say, you hurt me. I'm not hurting you back. Mm. So I think uh, forgiveness is important. And, you know, um, one that's probably the hardest of all is patience. <laughs> you know, just, uh, yeah. you know, that, that virtue, you can't get that, you know, I want patience and I want it now. <laughs> right. So it's a, it's a, it's the hardest one to, to cultivate because it takes time and it's, it's learning the lesson of time that, you know, the people in your family need time to develop. They, they're not going to be instantaneously mature, instantaneous, instantaneously wonderful. I think parents have to experience that the most, you know, being patient with, um, tantrums, you know, or outbursts and, um, emotional uh, meltdowns and things like that uh, and, and not to let it de to derail them that they they are uh, I remember one uh, psychologist I was talking to when I was in schools talked about parents as being the still point in a turning world that mm. they are they are kind of the rock the children can be all over the place but they know that their parents have a set of values that are permanent coherent and always true that they can always rely on. So yeah. I think courage, understanding, forgiveness, and patience are the four that kind of leap out at me right now. Okay. Wow. Well, those are those are some good virtues yeah. to cultivate and to pray for. Certainly, when it talks when we're talking about building a family faith at last. Let's take a phone call, Father. We've got Vincent calling in from Sacramento, California. Great. Good morning, Vincent. Thanks for calling in. Good morning. I have an example testifying to the value of teaching kids about the saints. Uh, sure. my seven-year-old daughter was at the Getty Museum one day and they were looking at an ancient picture book of the saints with no words. They just had their symbols with them. Uh, and she, they turned a page and she said, Oh, that's St. Paul. He's the one who held their cloaks when they stoned St. Stephen. Wow. And all the people in the room were just taken aback, uh, <laughs> including a couple of nuns. Um, and, uh, it's just, a, you know, obviously this was a person who was alive for her. Uh, and St. John, my, my five-year-old, a six-year-old, was wrote, you know, prayed for Saint John. Knowing, you know, when he's in the dungeon suffering, he, you know, it was it was really present to him. And so, absolutely, that's a really great thing. And you know, you don't have to bombard him with millions of saints, but teach him some, especially the ones mentioned in Scripture, but others as well that may be relevant to their lives. And it, I can say, it does have an effect. Well, what an outstanding phone call, Vincent. Thank you for sharing that. And basically, look, congratulations to you because. Yeah. Uh, those children, you know, didn't come up with those things themselves. They, they were in an environment, they were in a house that, that shared those stories of St. Paul and St. John with them. And, and look, they remembered it. And they remembered it in a public setting. And they were not afraid to say it in a public setting at the Getty Museum. Mm -hmm. So uh, what a beautiful story. And I think that just, you know, verifies what we've been saying that, or actually verifies what 
the intention of Pope St. John Paul II intended, that lives are impactful, and that, yes, we can learn a lot from a book, which is actually my style, but uh, to confront a faith, to confront a life, to to learn about a life uh, is just very powerful, and boy, the witness of your two children is just uh, outstanding. So thank you for calling and, and sharing that, Vincent. Great testimony, Vincent. Thanks thanks so much for your call. If you have a story about what's going on in your life to help build a family faith that lasts, give us a call at 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Send us an email at innerliferelevantradio.com. And again, if you happen to be a child growing up in a home and would like to call in, we welcome your calls as well, 888-914-9149. Tell us what your mom and dad are doing to help you grow closer to Jesus. We're going to take our first break here, and we've got plenty more to talk about and building a family faith at last, something that I think it's pretty close to the hearts and minds of most people these days. So stick with us. We'll be back right after this short break. Looking for a new job? How about one that offers you opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. Visit relevantradio.com slash forester, an Illinois life insurance society, not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Join the conversation at 888-914-9149. Teach your children well, their father's hell. Slowly go by Welcome back to the Inner Life here on Relevant Radio, RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. Hey, if you haven't checked it out yet, check out this week's Eucharistic Encounter. We have a mystery. While St. Jose Maria Escriva was hearing confessions one morning, he heard clanging coming from the main church. The same happened the next day and the next day. What was going on? Well, you can find out the mysterious metal sound at relevantradio.com slash encounter. Deepen your love for Christ in the Eucharist. Go and sign up for this free video series at relevantradio.com slash encounter. We are talking today about building a family faith that lasts. If you have some family traditions, whether you're an adult or a child, uh, that has really helped you and your family stick close to Jesus, let us know what those are. 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Or perhaps you're looking for ideas and have a specific question about something you were thinking about trying. We'd love to take your question as well. 888-914-9149. Speaking with our spiritual director, Father Dave Heaney from the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. Well, Father, I think it's worth mentioning uh, here earlier on in the show as we're talking about building a family faith that lasts. Give us an idea. What what are we up against? I mean, what are some of the things that would seek to steal the faith away from our families, maybe particularly from our kids? Well, unfortunately, we're up against a lot of things that are very powerful and they have to really be taken seriously um, and addressed. And I think the things that we've talked about so far that strengthen faith are all very powerful and I think are effective. But knowing the enemy, knowing what uh, can cause problems is very important. And I think the number one, there's a number of things, but certainly um, when mom and dad split, if there's a broken family, that's very, that can be very, very hard on, on children. Spending on their age, you know, uh, they come into the world knowing that there's a mom and dad in the house and suddenly 
you know, they're giants, they're huge people, but yet they provide all the food and warmth and love and affection that they, that they need. And then suddenly when they are at odds with each other or split, um, it can be very, very difficult. So it takes a lot of attention to make sure that children of broken families are okay, that they have the counseling and support that they need. But it can be really, really uh, difficult. Just as a quick aside, I remember uh, one of the most powerful books I ever read was called Tales of Enchantment. And it was a psychological understanding of fairy tales. And fairy tales were actually written by children. Uh, A child would say to his parents, you know, tell me a story. And the parent had no idea what to tell. And so they would just start by saying, well, a knight goes into the forest. And then what do you think happened next? And then the child would say, well, uh, he met a dragon. Yes, that's exactly what happened. He met a dragon, and what do you think the knight did then? Well, he took out his magic sword, and, you know, so the story goes right. on. Yeah. So actually, the, story, the fairy tale is actually uh, creating exactly what the child needs. And what's interesting is that the definition of a fairy tale always has the exact same ending, which is, they lived happily ever after. Mm. And that's what enables the child to go to sleep after hearing that story because they know that mom and dad lived happily ever after. That's why the fairy tales were so popular amongst children. And that's why they were actually created by their own psychological desires and needs. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's the first thing. Now, obviously, a lot of families break up. It's not the end of the world. Children do survive, but usually not on their own. They do need some kind of help and support, and hopefully parishes can do that. So so that's, that would be the main thing. The first thing is, you know, dealing with broken families. Second thing that takes children away from their family is social media. Uh, mm. They become bonded with their friends and likes and preferences and settings on social media. Now, think about what social media does. Someone has an app, uh, has a phone filled with apps. And on each app, there's a, there's a place for settings where you can decide what comes into your phone and what goes out. So you're actually learning how to filter your life. And you choose what Uh comes into your phone and what goes out. And so pretty soon you consider your life to be very self-referential. I decide what I hear. I decide what I see. If I don't like something, I unfriend it, I unlike it, or I, you know, don't subscribe. Right. So it it can kind of teach a kind of selfishness. It kind of teaches that my desires and my needs are all important. And, um, and, and so children, they, they don't encounter other opinions. They don't encounter other ideas. They don't learn how to, to negotiate and talk about those. Yeah. And so I think that's a social media is, is kind of warping uh, the personality of young people by this kind of seemingly innocuous, harmless idea of settings and preferences. Yeah. But, you know, uh, that, that can be harmful. So I think those, that's um, a main yeah. thing. Just jumping in on that, Father, that's mm-hmm. it's spawning a thought in my head, too, is that um, this may be exactly why it's so important for families, um, parents, to have disagreements in front of the kids. Yeah. Disagreements that are respectful, that are kind, but yet, you know, they can talk it out and they can show that there is a good line of communication, that love is not lost when we're in, in a place of disagreement, but rather we need to work some, through some things because of this kind of echo chamber uh, yeah. phenomenon that's social media gives us that you were just talking about. Would you agree with that? Is it, is it important for parents to disagree in think, front of their kids? 
I mean, looking back on my own childhood, I think the one thing that I am so grateful for, I mean, I love my folks, my uh, twin brother, but we had a custom at every single meal, uh, every single dinner to talk politics. Uh, okay. My dad would throw out the inflammatory statement and we would just <laughs> go into it. And fortunately, we were kind of evenly divided, my mother and myself versus my dad and my brother. And we would talk politics. And, you know, there was a lot of politics to talk about when I was a kid. There was the Vietnam War. There was uh, Watergate and Nixon and the Cold War, the Soviet Union and communism and, you know, just, you know, the anti-war movement. So there was a lot to talk about. And so I grew up with political debate, with people saying things like, how can you say that? What, what makes you say that? And so I, I often tell people in my parish today when I'm teaching a class, I said, if you disagree with what I'm saying, raise your hand and disagree, you'll make me feel right at home. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> and I just think it's important. And a corollary to that, I think, is this. You know, we talked about social media. We talked about family breakup as serious issues for families. I think a really important thing in, uh, about keeping the faith in families is answering questions. There's one thing that young people have all the time is questions. So honoring questions is very important. Uh, and then if a parent doesn't feel qualified to respond, have the resources in the house that you can point to. The catechism, you know, Bible, other resources, lives of the saints. You know, children need to be able to say, you know, what is going on here with this faith? How is it that God is both man and God? What happens in the Eucharist? Those are good questions. And so parents, yeah. you don't want to, you know, you don't want to belittle them or uh, d disregard them. So either be able to answer them yourself or to direct your children to resources where they can find them. And there's tons of resources on the Internet, you know, uh, Michael Schmidt's videos, Bishop Barron videos, yeah. You know, all different kinds of things. Relevant radio, my God. I mean, certainly relevant radio is a great resource. So I think that's very important to, um, if a child has questions about the faith, that is a golden moment. Don't look at it as an attack or a problem or crisis. It's a golden moment. The door is open for new information to flow into your child's head because they're asking the question. Yeah, and kids can ask some great questions, too, when it comes to the faith. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, Let, the just real quick, the example yeah, of that please. is Mary. Mary, the very first time Mary speaks in the Bible is she asks a question. It's a question, how, yeah. How can right. this be? <laughs> I love it. I love it, Father. Good point. <laughs> Let's go back to the phones now. Annie has been waiting patiently in Indian River, Michigan. Annie, welcome to the program. Thanks for calling in. Hi. Yeah, I just wanted to share a little thought with you guys. Um, growing up, my parents have always been devout Catholics, and my dad would always, at nighttime, um, we'd all get on our knees, my siblings and I, and we'd say prayers at night. And then um, for a while there, my mom always watched EWTN, and we would say a rosary each night. So now I'm growing up and have kids of my own, um, during Lent especially, we always try to make it a point to say a rosary, um, just because it's a very special time of that year. And um, what else is I going to say? Um, I try to say a rosary each night with my children as well. Um, I do need to work on like the nighttime prayers with them because it's just a busy time of the year with sports and school and all that and uh, specific bedtimes. But 
I think growing up and seeing that from my parents, saying prayers, saying we, my kids, we say grace, whether it's at a restaurant or in front of our family that's not Catholic. And it's like really something to be proud of, you know. And then you see your kids growing up and doing good things. I've gotten good comments about my children at school looking out for other kids. And it just, it makes me so proud as a mom. And it makes you feel good because, you know, you're doing something right. So I just wanted to share those thoughts. Um, a daily rosary, as much as you can, um, shows your children how, you know, close you are to God and how important it is to keep God close to your heart, um, especially with the world we're in right now. It's, it's just crazy. Um, and talking yeah. to your children about what's going on in the world with, like all this transgender stuff, like I have to, I have, it's sad that I have to have conversations with my 12 year old because when I was 12 years old, that stuff didn't even exist. Hmm. So always conversate with your children about what is right and what's wrong. Um, and I pray every night that my children make good decisions as they grow older. So I just wanted to share my thoughts with you guys on that, and what I'm we glad, do as a family. I'm glad you did, Annie. And, and it sounds like you're doing everything right. Um, and it's actually, I think not only is it providing good direction and guidance to your children, but I think it's making you feel happy too, as you see it in them. When you see them respond and say the rosary and say grace at a restaurant, uh, not only is it you know good for their soul, for their faith development, but I'm glad that you're able to see it yourself because I'm sure it's got to bring you a sense of joy that you, you know, you're being, you're being a good mom. You're being a good responsible mom caring for them caring for them body and soul so mm -hmm. thank you annie thanks for sharing that yeah thank you annie and it's a it's a great point i know that the tradition of saying the family rosary together is something that of course we are into here at relevant radio if you don't already know you can listen to you can even watch a live video stream of the family rosary across america every night at 7 p.m central play pray along with father rocky and maggie and and, uh, yeah, listen to different intentions that are coming in from across the country, oftentimes from kids as well. It's a great way of building family faith that lasts. We're talking exactly about that, building family faith that lasts with our spiritual director, Father Dave Heaney. And uh, we are taking your calls on traditions in your family that help to build family faith amongst your kids that will stick with them. That hopefully, please God, will stick with them all their lives through and on into eternal life as well. We've got to take another short break. If you can, give us a call at 888-914-9149. We've got a few lines open yet. 888-914-9149. Or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We'll be back right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at RelevantRadio.com slash quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. That doesn't sound much like Christmas music to me, but that's okay. It's not Christmas. But wait, we need to look forward to Christmas a little bit here. We're giving away nativity sets to 200 lucky listeners, and we want to make sure that you have yours in plenty of time to display it outside your home all throughout the Advent and Christmas seasons. And to enter to win, valued at over $500 a piece, by the way, all you have to do is go to relevantradio.com slash set and register before midnight central on October the 15th. 
That's a way you can say more than just happy holidays. You can say Merry Christmas to your entire neighborhood with your own beautiful hand-painted nativity set in front of your home. Sign up right now at relevantradio.com slash set. We're talking today about building a family faith that will last with our spiritual director, Father Dave Heaney, pastor of St. Bruno Catholic Church in Whittier, California. Father, an email came in that I think uh, we are we are bound to uh, to say to say on the air here. Lisa is writing in from Aurora, Illinois, and she says she highly recommends the new Saints series by the Merry Beggars here on Relevant Radio. So, my ten year old and I enjoy listening to this together. It's, she says it engages her imagination and reinforces what she might have read before. Or we both look up more details about the saint as the story piques our curiosity about the saint. The radio series brings the saints to life for us. That's exactly what it's designed to do. Thanks to the Merry Beggars. If you'd like to listen, go to thesaintspodcast.com, thesaintspodcast.com, and you can get a new episode on a saint, five episodes on each saint every day in your mm. inbox. So um, just great. wanted to plug that. Thank you, Lisa, for writing in specifically. That's a great thing. I've actually used it with some of my religion classes as well. Uh, let's go back to the phones now. Florence is calling in from California. Florence, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling in. Hi. I'm very concerned about my 8-year-old granddaughter. She doesn't want to go to... I've been I've been teaching her because her parents don't go to church. I've been teaching her catechism. I've been taking her to classes. I've been... Um, st- I've been saying prayers with her at night on the phone because her parents don't do that either. And all of a sudden, she doesn't want to go anymore because it's not fun. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to say prayers. I don't want to do anything. If it's not fun, I don't want to do it. And I wondered if you had any suggestions. So, Florence, I think uh, the main thing to understand here is that she's eight years old. And she's a child, and so they like to play. They like to have fun. They like to play with toys. I would say two things. One is, unfortunately, Florence, you're outnumbered. Um, you know, you're kind of on the outside looking in. You have, you know, limited contact with uh, with your granddaughter. But the fact that the parents are not involved is deadly to faith. Uh, it's just very, very difficult for an outside person to make a big impact on a child if there is no faith in the actual house where they live. Now, uh, you know, children are going to look at their parents more than anyone else as kind of, you know, what life is all about. And if faith is not active in their life, it's really, really difficult for you to make an impact on your eight-year-old child uh, from a distance. So I think just knowing your limitations is important. You know, you know, you're doing the best that you can, but you you have to kind of lower your expectations and not really think that it's, it's you know, you're just outnumbered. You just under you have under tremendous handicap. So that's unfortunate. Um, so just do your best, whatever you can. Now, uh, this is hopefully this is a temporary thing because she's eight years old. She's not going to be eight years old forever. This is a time for fun and frivolity and parties and birthday parties and going to the park and the beach and everything. And they, that's what children like to do. Um, because they don't have any example in their own house with the parents, um, you know, you just have a limited impact on your eight-year-old. So I would just say uh, keep on doing what you're doing. Um, however, if she refuses, there's nothing you can do about it. If she refuses to go to church or if she refuses to pray anymore, um, you don't want to make it a, a you don't want to make faith a matter of coercion or force. 
especially if they're not getting anything from their own family, their own parents. So I'm sorry to hear that, um, Florence. It's a sad story, but uh, God bless you. I'm glad that you tried your best. Uh, don't ever feel bad about that. You, you gave it your best. You gave it your good intentions. Um, you, you were just outnumbered. Yeah, I think the only thing I, I think to add, Florence, is that uh, you are certainly not alone in this. I know yeah. that there are grandparents uh, around the world who are feeling the same thing you are right now. And, uh, yeah, it's it's another thing that we're up against there, too, is um, that families are moving away from the faith, and yet uh, grandparents find that very tragic and very heartbreaking, and I can understand that. And uh, know of our prayers. Please keep praying. Maybe uh, call on the intercession of Saints Joachim and Anne as they are grandparents right, of our, of our Lord and uh, parents of our Blessed Mother as well. So thanks for the question, Florence. Our prayers are with you. God bless you. Thanks for calling in. Well, Father, one of the things that occurs to me, too, is that um, even if faith isn't explicit in the home, like uh, Florence was just saying, uh, then perhaps at least there is the opportunity to, um, you know, create some good familial bonds so as so the child doesn't end up, or the grandchild in this case, doesn't end up isolating, uh, you know, pushing kind of grandma or my religious grandma out of the picture or something, but to, to stay close together, close-knit as a family. Um, any specific suggestions on activities maybe that parents and grandparents can do to bond with their children and grandchildren? I think um, the more faith is, this sounds counterintuitive, but I would say the more that faith practices ordinary, normal, casual, and routine, the better. Because you don't want to set up a situation where you have, this is the time we do something faithful, and now we have our secular time, Right. Now that religion time is over, now we can just go about our day. You want to kind of integrate faith and religion throughout the day in very casual, normal, routine ways. So little prayers, you know, in the car, going someplace, watching TV, making dinner, eating dinner, just kind of referencing saints, little prayers, you know, St. Joseph, help me with this, St. Anthony, help me find my wallet, uh, you know, yeah. Um, you know, I think that's those are that's much more powerful than having kind of a very formal religious moment in the day. So just integrating it very casually, routinely throughout the day is very important. I love the idea of having physical, visible signs in the house, icons, statues, pictures, uh, especially of saints or you know different religious events. That you make sure that you that the, every everyone in the family knows what this statue, this icon, this picture is about. If it's about uh, a saint, you, that everybody knows the biography of that saint. That's really powerful. Um, I think those are the you know really the main thing is you're integrating faith throughout the day, not segregating it to there's religion time and secular time. Uh, and I think if it's you know and it's also joyful, you know. Um, you know, Florencia talked about her eight-year-old granddaughter that, you know, only wants to find, do fun things. Well, you know, Pope Benedict used to say that the number one sign of the presence of Christ in someone is the presence of joy. So I think if we, if parents can, ex, can indicate or express that they find joy in all these religious practices, that they enjoy praying throughout the day, they enjoy talking about the saints, that it makes them happy, that's a very powerful lesson that religion is something that brings joy. It's not a drudgery, 
you know, an obligation, a duty, but it's something that brings, brings joy. Um, people like to be around happy people. People like to be around joyful people. If children find out that religion makes someone happy, makes them joyful, that's attractive. And they, um, you know, would kind of be intrigued by it and kind of stay connected to it more. So we don't want to look at religion as a duty, as an obligation, as a drudgery. You know, we must do this. Uh, but it really has to be something in, in the way that Jesus intended it to be. Right. You know, I have come right. that you might have joy and your joy is complete. I have come that you might have life and life that is the fullest. Mm-hmm. So those two phrases uh, really define how we express our faith. Yeah. Okay. I, I like it. Good comments, Father. Thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the phones now. Maria is calling in from Oakland, California. Maria, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to you both. It's such an honor to be on the radio with you two. I, um, I wanted to share something that has um, captivated my six-year-old heart. Um, my son, who's six, his name is Maximilian. He wants to be a priest. And um, one of the things that he loves is the sacrament of holy water. He, um, he, uh, we have a little font above his bed, but he's been very creative in thinking about ways to sneak in holy water, especially when my dad had a stroke in ICU. He overheard us saying that his, my, my father's tongue was uh, paralyzed because of the stroke. And he, he told us, Mama, sneak it in with the eyedropper. Sneak it in with the eyedropper and put it in his tongue. And so I really appreciate his heart. Um, he sprays it around the house at night with a bottle of water. And we try to teach him that it's, it's sacred. It's a power and presence of love of God. And we have to be very careful how we use it. And so um, though I wanted to tell you guys that he's lifted it up during adoration time. He's lifted up his rosary during adoration. I was like, Max, Max. Put it down. You can't do that. He said, yes, the Lord is blessing my water. <laughs> the Lord is blessing my rosary. And I just I just think it's so beautiful to see a child fall in love with the sacraments that the Lord has given us. Um, he's blessed his own water, too. And he says, I'm a prophet, priest, and king, Mom. I can't do this. And I tell him, um, son, you're a, a priest with the lowercase p. You need a priest with a capital P to, to bless your holy water. And so I just wanted to share that with others who, um, who, um, who, with other mothers, you know, so that they can also uh, partake those beautiful sacramentals that the Lord has gifted mm. us here on earth. Everyone yes. has access to, to water, to salt, and it's a beautiful thing to, to have a child, you know, uh, put, put in their toys and his Optimus Prime, bless his Optimus Prime, or <laughs> bless his pets with holy water. And so I just think that that's the one way that my son has grown in love with the Lord. Uh, you know, what a great phone call. And thank you for calling in, Maria. You know, and I think just this is a perfect message, you know, based on what I just said just a moment ago about joy. Obviously, your son enjoys his faith. That He has a lot of fun with it. And it energizes him and it excites him and it gives him this great spirit of, of, joy, of tremendous uh, joy. He's looking for ways to use this holy water to help other people, uh, you know, to uh, help the person with the stroke. Uh, how wonderful that a child at that age is so happy and so joyful in all of the experiences of faith that he has. And, you know, for whatever reason, he's kind of focused on holy water. That's fine. Holy water is always a symbol, always a reminder of our baptism. 
Uh, so anytime we use holy water, it just reminds us that we are Catholic, we are followers of Christ, we are public followers of Christ, uh, and we ask that this holy water be a blessing on whatever we are using it for. So, yeah. But I just think what, what I hear from your message most of all is just that he is just having a great time. Yeah. <laughs> he just enjoys being a Catholic and using the Catholic sacramentals. Sure sounds like it. And speaking of yeah. baptism, Father, uh, Maria said... Uh, prophet, priest, and king from a six-year-old? Yeah. That's impressive. (laughs) That's very impressive. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And he wants to be a priest. And he wants to be a priest. We have have openings. openings. (laughs) That's right. Well, let's uh, do everything we can to continue that joy in our kids, that joy of the faith. I think that's a great comment, Father, of of living out the joy of the faith in, in front of our kids in front of our grandkids, uh, in front of all the kids in our lives, whether they be uh, our own children or children of others that we are somehow entrusted to our care. We've been talking today about building family faith that lasts. Maybe a last question for you, Father, in a minute or so before before we ask mm-hmm. for your blessing. What do you think parents can learn specifically from the holy family of Mary, Jesus, and or Jesus, Mary, and Joseph? You know, the holy family birth in Bethlehem was not really a story of poverty, Pretty much everybody was born in stables next to animals in those days. But the main story of Mary and Joseph was their fidelity to the mission they were given by God, despite the stigma of, you know, uh, Mary having a child of uncertain origin and mm-hmm. Joseph not being the actual biological father. But they, were, they remained faithful despite that social stigma. That, to me, is, is a powerful idea that... They remained true to their faith despite the culture, despite what was going on around them. That stability, that strength, that courage um, is the lesson of the Holy Family that uh, we certainly learn every Christmas when we look at the nativity set. Um, but I think uh, having that, I, I don't mind having a nativity set out all year round uh, because it just, re- just shows just the courage, the steadfastness, the fidelity of the Holy Family to remain true to their mission to begin the salvation uh, that Jesus brings. Yeah, yeah. Well, just like you started the show with, Father, that the family is a is a sign of the Trinity, but it is a it's a it's a sign with a mission, right? To yep. let other people know about the about the love of God. So wonderful. It's been a great discussion with you, Father. Thank you so much for being our spiritual director today, talking about building a family faith that lasts. If we could have a blessing from you, I'm sure we're going to need it as we seek oh, yeah. to do just that, Father. So please. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing on all our relevant radio families, especially those listening now. May everyone grow in wisdom and age and grace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, lots of good stuff to get from today's show. If you have some families that could uh, are seeking to grow deeper in faith, it would be a great uh, great thing to share with others. Go to relevantradio.com slash inner life and you can listen again share it with others as well coming up next the holy sacrifice of the mass with our Sullivan brother richard getchell tomorrow on the program loneliness versus being alone with our spiritual director father john lococo hope you can join us until then grace and peace